Welcome to this week's episode of the Chopping Wooded Side Podcast, the podcast for Twin Peaks conspiracy theorists and aficionados. My name is Murphy, your host. Uh, I think my friend Tom's out there somewhere. Hello, Tom. Murphy. How are you doing? I'm doing. What happened to the quippy uh, intros? I, you know, I'm not going to say got a light and. Uh, Did episode uh, eight like freak you out? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I'm still. I had some weird dreams last night. Did you? I did. I had some nightmares, some duck puzzles, or some some wraith woodsmen were coming at me. Do you it's want great. to talk about duck puzzles? Because I think maybe some people don't know what the duck puzzles are. Well, first, what we're going to do is continue to talk about episode eight. That's what we're going to do. Uh, so, yeah, the first thing we would you want to get into the duck puzzles, which uh, we've been trying to decode who those mysterious woodsmen were that we saw uh, in last episode, and you think they are duck puzzles? Why don't you explain to the audience what what duck puzzles are? Well, the first time we had any reference to Doug Puzz was in the original series with Wyndham Earl. And do you remember that scene where um, they found some archive footage of Wyndham Earl in like the late 60s? <laughs> I love that scene. That's a one of my scene. favorite scenes. He has this quote, and uh, I'll, I'll read it to you. It's a little long, but I'll read it to you. He says... Um, do the Wyndham Earl voice, please. I can't do the Wyndham Earl. I don't do the voices. You do the voices. I'm not the voice guy. Um, He says, these evil sorcerers, Dugpas, they call them, cultivate evil for the sake of evil and nothing else. They express themselves in darkness for darkness without leavening motive. This ardent purity has allowed them to access a secret place of great power where the cultivation of evil proceeds in exponential fashion. And with it, the furtherance of evil's resulting power. These are not fairy tales or myths. This place of power is tangible, and as such can be found, entered, and perhaps utilized in some fashion. The Dugpas have many names for it, but chief among them is the Black Lodge. So that yeah, was the original quote up, by... Yeah. <laughs> well, it, going on um, a little further than that, uh, the Dugpas are, are, I believe, tied to uh, Tibetan lore, uh, starting somewhere in the 14th century. And... Um, there's something called the Red Hat Sect, and they're primarily described as um, black dragons or black magicians. And um, I, I really was taken with this this article that I read because of the Red Hat Sect. If you notice, a lot of these woodsmen have these red wool caps. And actually, if you uh, remember the scene in Firewalk with me where we go into the convenience store uh, via Philip Jeffries' um, memories that the character listed in the credits as the electrician who was played by Calvin Lockhart um, had a red wool cap and had kind of this scruffy beard which was very similar to our Got a Light character. So I think that these characters, we've seen them before. They've just been obviously very mysterious and we're now getting a little bit more material um, as to who they are and what they may represent. Well, a lot of people today are talking about how we just witnessed, uh, you know, perhaps Bob's origin story from the mother who was the box monster and, uh, you know, came down to earth here after the nuclear Trinity bomb was uh, set off for the first time. Um, But I think maybe this could also be like the Woodsman and the Dugpas origin story as well, because we've been wondering, you know, who Sooty is and Mr. Balloonhead we've seen a couple of times in the series and uh, this could be the explanation of what, what that is and what is to come with them. You know, in, right. In Twin Peaks. Yeah, I think that I, I don't subscribe to the origin story theory. I, I think that you know we all know that evil has existed, you know, from the beginning of time. I mean, going back to you know the Garden of, of Eden and and you know and from that point forward. So 
I don't really necessarily agree that uh, the Dugpas, the Woodsmen, and Bob were just created out of the atomic fallout from the Trinity test. I believe that they always existed, but that uh, atomic test in New Mexico in 1945 caused some kind of like rift in the time-space continuum, what have you, and allowed them uh, some kind of portal or access to you know our world. It's very interesting if you think about like especially Mark Frost, Mark Frost's book, Mark Frost's book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, and which was heavy on like UFOs and aliens that really we got a lot of these sightings and reports and ultimately like Blue Book, Project Blue Book, right after that atomic test in New Mexico in 1945. And Roswell, the most famous case, was in 1947. And I think that what they're trying to do is that, uh, and if that was true with, with you know maybe UFOs and aliens, obviously they existed before we started you know testing you know atomic bombs but maybe that was the trigger for the universe or other worlds or other beings or whatever to somehow congregate or to you know appear you know on the earthly plane as we know it so i mean there's so much to go into but i don't think origin story i think bob if you notice with the mother we talked about this when she is expelling vomiting out whatever that thing was that came from her we saw like really like dozens if not hundreds of eggs which i'm assuming was the same egg that we saw in the new mexico desert later but we or saw maybe one of the eggs maybe there's a or maybe one eggs. of the eggs but we saw bob's face we didn't see you know um obviously there would be no way to know like oh that egg right there on the left upper left hand corner of the front that's bob it looks like a bob egg no we saw bob's face but you had an interesting theory about why they may have shown bob's face if you want to talk about well, I just that. think Lynch is really is so such a stylized director that that's how he indicates to the audience that Bob is one of these little you know uh, eggs or you know little spermazilla or whatever you want to call it that's going to like you know, populate the world with evil and so that we see Bob's face but that's you know just an artistic representation um, you know obviously Bob's probably not floating through a little uh, micro subatomic you know bubble fully formed with his hair coiffed nicely so you know maybe that was just <laughs> an artistic uh, touch of Lynch's perhaps. And that maybe these eggs are uh, the first manifestation of because the little impish uh, frog bug guy like crawls out of the desert, and while the woodsman's you know in putting his incantation on the whole town and crushing skulls, like it crawls through the window just like Leland or Bob used to, and enters her mouth and it and, and inhabits her just like Bob does, and maybe it's the first time on Earth that we're seeing that happen. Like that's not Bob, but it's the first of its species. It has come down to wreak havoc, perhaps. Yeah, it's really that that whole thing with the the creature, whatever the bug was, that was hatched and ultimately found its way into the little girl's mouth. It really plays into the host parasite um, theory, um, or not theory, but you know, as well as the Franz seen. Kafka picture on the wall in Gordon Cole's office. Well, yeah, I mean that's a. That's really, I don't know if we talked about that the other night, but there are three paintings, uh, we're not paintings, there's a photograph blown up and, uh, and a, a photograph of, well, there's Franz Kafka, there's an atomic explosion, and there's, a, a, was it corn? Corn on the cob? An ear of corn. Uh, an ear of corn, thank you. Garmin so, Bozia. Yeah. Garmin Bozia, and so, I mean, really, there's some serious foreshadowing with that. And you had an interesting take on last, when we spoke on the phone after our podcast about 
the atomic uh, explosion in Lynch's office. Do you want to like talk a little bit more about that? Uh, well, I just think that if this has been recorded, I would think the town, you know, this is, the FBI might investigate some fallout from uh, the nuclear bomb when zombies come coming out of walking out of the desert, <laughs> and so maybe that's where they started. Uh, and if you look at the secret history of Twin Peaks, they talk about you know having some sort of Area Fifty One type of project uh, project blue book type you know investigation going on that he knows about so he knows about this is like the source material that got this whole thing started this whole investigation started and that's why he's got the <laughs> the, the nuclear bomb and the cream corn and the you know the Franz Kafka picture on the wall it just says it all doesn't it? it it does yeah and 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 blue rose cases we never really had any um concrete evidence as to what it is other than it, it's relevant to maybe some supernatural element yeah, maybe now we know and then maybe now we know exactly it's all tied together so um it, it really on third viewing i watched it again last night before i went to bed and then i just watched it again before we spoke i picked up a lot of different subtleties but one of the big things that i got from the um this the scenes in 1956 with the uh, the young you know teenage couple walking home and the radio station and and the Dugpas was this um, um, seemed like a 1950s like horror movie like that you would see like in a drive-in theater like Lynch has never shot any footage had any of his stories told in the 1950s now a lot of his films kind of uh, evoke that 50s you know time and feel. But this was the first time he actually like went to the 1950s, had a title card that said the 1950s, and had characters. And I think what we're seeing is very comparable to the iconic opening of Blue Velvet, where you have this you know, town, this suburban town, this very placid setting, and the firemen, and you know, the, the, the well-manicured lawns, and then you know, the, the father has a stroke, and then the camera glides into, the, the, the goes underneath the surface of the yard, and we see all those ants basically you know the evil you know below the surface you know um and I, that's what i took from this i didn't I think last night i mentioned that i thought sarah palmer might be the young girl and this was something that you know uh, that bug that crawled into her might have some relevance to laura palmer not the bug itself was laura palmer but now on subsequent viewings what i'm kind of sensing is that this is really lynch kind of showing us the loss of innocence or you know the the evil underneath the surface tied into the atomic bomb with these dugpas and we're never going to have a callback to it we're just showing that nothing is ever going to be the same again we're not going to have bugs like coming out of people's mouths again or even come back to those to, to that young couple at least i feel that way and you i think feel a little differently um, well, I think that, uh, you know, I could definitely envision in episode 14, like little Dickie Horn pulling a bug out of his mouth at a really crucial moment. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, that'd be totally... Always little Dickie Horn. We just, he's just, is he just too evil? Is that what it is? Well, no, just... I just think there's not that many other bag. I mean, Red's mouth, not as interesting. Little Dickie Horn's mouth, I would be into that. <laughs> that would make me laugh. But uh, yeah, I think the bugs, he's, they're planting the seed, the bug seed, and I think somehow it's going to tie into the rest of the series. I mean, maybe, you know, in earlier when, when Coop gets shot, we get that amazing scene where Bob gets conjured out of his side in this huge Bob boil, this, la this really the most captivating, horrifying thing I think I've seen on the entire series. And you could think, like, maybe that bug comes inside of you and hatches a little pod or takes out a piece of your body, and that's where the, the demon lies, you know, and that the, the, the bug comes first. 
and hatches the egg. And I think that somehow it is tied to it. I don't think that it's just a, a random one-off that we will. Would you think see. that if that's the case with Leland back in the day at Pearl Lakes when he saw Bob and he yeah, said, yeah, maybe he that, swallowed a bug. He was out there on the fishing or something. He thinks he swallowed a mosquito <laughs> or a loca or whatever firefly. But he maybe swallows this fucking thing. <laughs> well, didn't he say that he saw Bob and Bob was this kind of impish, you know, character, this devilish character that would flick matches at him and say, "Do you want to play with fire, little boy? Do you want to play with Bob?" And then when yeah, he I always wonder, after, was that really the true story? Because it was his neighbor, right? Mr. Robertson or something? What was that that didn't tie into that? Well, there's always well? there's speculation on that um, because he was at his grandfather's house on Pearl Lakes. And the whole cycle of violence and or sexual molestation, I think some people have speculated that maybe that he was himself was molested and somehow like Bob was represented through his grandfather and then when Leland became you know an adult and had Laura that the cycle continued that he started molesting her and then she started seeing Bob so but you know, this is the original series I mean I think that they didn't have the whole mythology completely mapped out I think that they've expanded on that in this new iteration and I think we're seeing it but I, the idea of I think the host parasite with this bug maybe being something organic that attaches itself to a host is more kind of symbolic than literal, even though we did see it. That's why I don't think that we're going to have a callback to it. And I just don't think that that's Bob's modus operandi, that he is a bug or some kind of like unnatural, you know, insect hybrid cockroach. It did feel like it kind of tied into the incantation that was being uh, spoken over the the radio station, though. I thought that there was some sort of correlation to those two things. But uh, well, you thought it was a correlation between the because uh, the they open that the, the might... woman the, the girl opens her mouth like I thought maybe she was under the spell and that that was a part of the whole thing like the bug. Maybe there's I always imagine there's a lot of other bugs as well. <laughs> well, there were a bunch of eggs. It'd be very Cronenbergian of him to like interpret bugs. You know what I'm saying? If he's yeah. Because there's really but you talked about it. You called the bug thing. You thought ants, but. You know. But not it's not it's some kind of an unnatural. Um, it looked like a, really a combination of a like a, some kind of like roach maybe and like frog legs or something. Well, like we we're talking um, about, it's like I think we we're talking about earlier. It's like the, I think we're not big comic book fans, but I think like Alan Moore and maybe like Lovecraft. He's not a comic book guy, but the, I'm not into that horror thing. But that this is like a trope out there. This like bug frog creature that comes and wreaks havoc. Yeah, so, I've read a lot of Lovecraft, of and uh, there's a lot of like unnatural creatures based in this mythology that that he created. But um, I don't, I just don't. With only ten hours left to go, and um, you know, obviously, you know, Cooper as Dougie is still not awoken, and I think we have all these little plot threads. I just don't think that we're going to devote uh, more time to. You know this this the past in, in New Mexico in 1956. Like I said, I think last night we might get a callback. Well, but do you like, think we're going to probably see the Woodsman maybe or the oh, for sure. Obviously, we've already been seeing those guys. Well, they're with them in Buckhorn. The, I mean, related to Bill Hastings and 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 being seen at the morgue, where Garland Briggs's body is. There's you know more to them. I think you know down the line. I don't know what their relevancy is to that case because. When we saw this in, in this episode, when they came to Mr. C's aid, were they actually coming to Mr. C's aid or were they actually trying to save Bob and or extract him? Because that's what I really want to know. Do you think Bob 
was extracted from Mr. C or somehow, you know, resurrected and put back in him. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Like when I first watched it, I thought for sure he, they were trying to push Bob back in, like that Bob enjoyed being in Cooper and that Bob staying in would allow uh, Cooper to live. So, but today, you know, I think I'm hearing other people think that the opposite. And I think that's an interesting interpretation, like that perhaps they were trying to run off with Bob or at least extract him before Cooper died. And that that in itself somehow saved Cooper or they saved Cooper themselves by doing their little Macbethian type of witch dance, little rain dance around him. And they're rubbing the blood. Um, they did a ritual. So that saved him. And I am, it's unclear. <laughs> but although when yeah, Cooper it, sits up, you know, he doesn't look really, he looks better. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't look like he's inhabited by a body. He looks a little less evil. Well, yeah, I, I kind of like little, little really scrutinized that scene. He still has the dark He's not eyes. covered in blood. His he, face is not covered in blood, well, which is nice. Well, there was some dried blood on yeah. his face. There was some dried There's blood. There's no Garmin Bazia on his shirt like normal <laughs> after these events. Yeah, you would think when they really were digging around in his body that maybe they would find some remnants of Garmin Bazia, but maybe he you know, vomited all that up in, in, uh, in South Dakota. Yeah, so are you saying the possibility that you think that he now is going to come next episode and that evil Coop will just be doppelganger Coop, but he will no longer have Bob inside of him? But he'll yeah, still be evil. I think, I think that's the where darker, we may go. And the dark passenger of the original coop. That's all. Because one of the things, yeah, because the, that's that's good. The one thing that I thought was um, possibly after Mr. C escaped and got whatever information that he needed, that he would somehow like take on the original Cooper guise of, you know, you know, short haircut and the black suit and then we oh would have shit Cooper that would proper. be very interesting so if he yeah he could really get away with it then if that, he doesn't have Bob and in now him. that he doesn't have Bob in him he might be resorting to that look naturally because I think oh god dude think of that if he starts roaming around he that evil not Bob infused uh, doppelganger coop but just regular doppelganger coop shows up yes. in Twin Peaks dressed up as coop doing the his shadow shit. self his shadow oh. self oh Wow. And and then and with Bob out there somewhere, we don't know. Bob is still exists. Yeah, who will he jump to? Is he going to exactly, jump or will Dickie he Horn? jump into something? <laughs> it's, it all circles back to Dicky Horn. But no, I, I really believe because I didn't, I didn't suspect that you know Ray was going to somehow. Well, I think Ray tricked him, you know, with the help of Warden Murphy. I didn't see this happening. I didn't see Mister C getting shot. I didn't see um, the Dugpas appearing and, you know, either resurrecting him or extracting Bob. But I really do like the idea now that here, here we are almost halfway through it, that what we know about Mr. C and his master plan, whatever it is, is now someone threw a monkey wrench into it. You know, Ray did. And uh, he no longer has Bob in him. So he's, he's the shadow self of Cooper and we still have the Cooper. And I just think that is going to make this uh, ultimate conclusion even more exciting and more mysterious. And we might even get like, you know, another, you know, I'm not saying another Cooper or whatever, but we're never going to know what's going to unfold. I mean, I've been constantly surprised with pretty much every episode. And that's really a testament to uh, Lynch and Frost. To I wouldn't say up. not even just surprised, but uh, gobsmacked and you know baffled, stunned, well, yeah, shocked, yeah. speechless. It's amazing we actually do so many podcasts when most of the time we're, we're left rendered speechless after these episodes, especially well, the last one. This is the, what, the last one on part eight or the last one ever? This is going well, on. no, the one we just watched on part eight. That's the this is the most stupefying, uh, dazzling. Well, yeah, amazing, I mean, you uh, can talk about I mean, you uh, can spend I've ever seen. You know, with the individual set piece. I mean, I could talk an hour just on the, you know, the scene with Senorita Dido and and the giant. You know what that means. 
Um, I originally thought, just talking about that since I brought it up, watching it again, I thought that it was an extension of going into the atomic explosion and the fallout and the heat and all of that power and it just dissolved into that but it, it didn't but it after the mother vomited out the eggs and and bob we saw another you know explosion fiery explosion and a, a, and a gold orb that was nebulous forming and we went inside that 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 golden orb and then it looked like we were like kind of rushing through like you know kind of like a like a vein system it looked like it was like you know red blood cells or capillaries or something red dots and we were shooting very very quickly and i kind of took that as like maybe that evil that we just saw is now uh, manifesting itself in some kind of human form but then we cut to the purple sea and the cliff and the observatory and we go and we're introduced to senorita uh, dido and and the giant and that's separate i thought it was all kind of connected but I believe that that place isn't even in space. I think, like if it is the White Lodge or something comparable to it, it's just in a different time. You know, it's not like in the cosmos somewhere. Very well, maybe, but I certainly didn't get that impression. Well, it seems like some sort of confluence of the Big Bang of evil. Like you know, here that we, we are we are showing ourselves as being capable of this as humans, and that that is the, thus ripped open like some rift in the the the, the you know time, whatever you want to call it, to where we now have access to these evil guys. And that's really all the artistic stuff that goes on. You know, maybe we're just supposed to watch them just be in wonder of it, but not necessarily try to explain it, because I don't think that there's any way I can do it. But I can, I can sit and watch it on an endless loop, and uh, I'm not sure I'll ever come to a, a, an agreement or an understanding. I mean, wouldn't you think, like, people talk about, like, aliens, right? When are they going to talk about aliens in Twin Peaks? Is there going to be aliens? We talk about that. Don't you think, like, that, that mother barfing out that, I mean, that's, an, that's a fucking alien launching a, like, uh, you know, a weapon against Earth, right? So there's your alien. Well, you know what? If you look very closely. It's an unidentified flying object. <laughs> an unidentified flying experiment, because it's listed in the credits. That's right, experiment. the experiment. Yeah. Um, it, it I noticed this on um, the last viewing because I wanted to really scrutinize that whatever that experiment was. It, it looked like it had a female form. And if you looked really closely at the head, which didn't have any features whatsoever, it looked like, and I could be wrong about this, it could just be my you know imagination, it looked like you know at the top of the head there was, I don't want to say like horns, but something comparable to that. And it made me immediately think of Cooper's Mr. C's Ace of Spades with that black figure with the floppy whatever. Yeah, you know, actually, I saw someone on Twitter do that same uh, lineup, the the two visuals. It's, uh, oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't see the horns, but that's very interesting. If that is uh, well, I mean, that could be like if yeah. that is really the you know say you know if you want to say the giant is God or a godlike figure, then I would say that whatever that experiment slash mother is would be the polar opposite, like, you know, the progenitor of evil. And if that was the birth of Bob, of all evil, then it would make sense that Mr. C would somehow want to either conjure that or return to it. So that, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but um, it, it could be. It didn't look exactly like the you know, the symbol on the card, but it, it was close enough for me to obviously mention it. 
Well, it's very interesting. The Dugpas, I think, are the big reveal because we, you know, we've been wondering what yes. these sooties are, and I am a little disappointed <laughs> that we're not going to have Sooty as our main antagonist. Uh, we should do a little eulogy to Sooty. He was a great guy. Uh, he scared me, and I spent a lot of time thinking about him and wondering who he was and what he was going to do in future episodes, whose windows he's going to peek out of, who he's going to inhabit. And now it's all over. I realize that I'm never going to see Sooty again, and I, I kind of miss him. But uh, I, I do. I think it's. I'm not a big fan of zombie movies as you know um but i do think that they could do something interesting if cooper has to uh, go through run the gauntlet of dugpas at some point where you know he's running into different ones uh maybe even jacques renault's ghost comes back as a dugpa i think that would be very entertaining but uh, that, it could be a cool thing if that's who his antagonist is and that maybe there's some mystery about where bob is going to pop out you know he could pop out in little dicky horn or he could pop out in lucy who knows or a little maybe wally brando would be a great uh so and then maybe is the mother going to come down and just start, you know, like Godzilla, like stomping on the city? Like, what do you think? We're getting a convergence <laughs> of bad guys all of a sudden. We're getting, we also have Philip Jeffries. We got all kinds of, we got about some bad guys coming towards Twin Peaks, I think. Well, um, the, um, the the city uh, reference. Except for you, city. What, what, Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. I think we're going to see city. The, whoever the, the city in the jail cell with Bill Hastings or, you know, next to Bill Hastings or two cells down. I think we'll see him, that Sooty, that Dugpa, and I believe he is a Dugpa. I think we'll see him again, and he very well may be, you know, Sooty number one or Dugpa number one for contemporary times. I think Gotta Light, um, Sooty, Dugpa, Woodsman. We, I don't think we'll see him again. Um, I think he I always was, think that he was almost like you know you were talking about how there was an Abraham Lincoln impersonator in in the cast somewhere, and that like I thought the girl picking up the lucky penny. And seeing yeah. Abraham Lincoln and that being like this kind of iconic Americana, you know, visual and then doing the, of course, the Lynch thing and going inside of it and seeing like this zombie Lincoln going around crushing heads. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's quite a scathing. Yeah, he's really getting into like social commentary and commentary on America and bringing all this stuff up with the nuclear, uh, you know, angle and origin story. Yeah. Did, like you, no did you notice that the uh, the giant when he went into the um, auditorium or theater and he was before the um, screen um, he kind of raised his hand and at that point the images started to unfold he saw the you know, atomic explosion that, yeah. that that same hand gesture was the same hand gesture he used in uh, the original series when he told Cooper you forgot something and he raised his hand and something emanated from his like a gold orb almost and and traveled into Cooper's mind. And oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was kind yeah. of like, it was like a gold orb, wasn't it? It was. It was like and I was that the original that, gold orb of Twin Peaks. We need to go back and find that. I, it it wasn't I mean, was he that was that was in the um, the second one of the second season, right? Yeah, or was okay. it at the end of the I thought it was like was it, further in. Well, no, the giant only showed up in the um, the first two episodes of the second season. Then he didn't show up again until it is happening again, and then he didn't show up until Annie um, missed Tw Twin Peaks pageant. And then yeah, so it has to be episode. like uh, the first two. Or, or the, I think he was like season. I think I think That's it great. was. I kind of blacked that out. I don't really remember that, but I, now that you mention it, I do remember it. Yeah, I think. It I guess was, then I thought it was kind of so cheesy, you know, because I think the CGI even back then was not very good. Right, <laughs> I just I kind think, of for, I just chose not to remember that. I think it was the end of the the season premiere of the second episode because he Cooper wakes up he goes I'm not dreaming, and then he tells him that, 
at Clue, and the things I tell you will not be wrong, and then he does that thing, and then he gets that, and the uh, whatever that gold orb or whatever it was went in him, and I always took it to be the message that Audrey Horn left him, because I think the camera pans down right after that under his bed, and you see her little note, and that was he forgot, because she said... Something like you know going to Jacks or you know. You Isn't it interesting that the giant was interested in the goings ons of Audrey Horn? Who really had nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with anything. Yeah. Maybe she's somehow tied into. I thought for a second, from a long angle, she might have been a Senorita Dido for. But then I put my glasses on and realized it wasn't her. Yeah, I first thought she was the American girl in episode three. It was turned out. To did be you? Hey, wait. Actress. Speaking of that, did you notice in episode yeah. three one of the uh, one of the uh, you know jackpots that gets is called the American Girl. I don't know what that means. What, the machine is called. Yeah, the one of the machines girl? says American Girl. Yeah, hmm, I did not know that. Hmm. Oh no, actually, you know what? It was the machine that that old, that the old homeless lady pulled that he guided her to. Maybe she's the incarnation of the American Girl on Earth. I think she would be a dugpa. Do you think she would be? She certainly <laughs> she looks, looks more like, like a dugpa. Maybe she dates a dugpa. <laughs> I wonder if the red hats are a correlation to the Make America Great Again Trump hats. You know, we talked about that, and Frost I think you might be onto something. Frost yeah. is a huge a subtle jab. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no did did I mention already about the electrician? I did, didn't I? With the red hat. Uh, yes, you have. Yeah. Okay, but okay. So another thing about um, the Dugpas that scene you had mentioned, I think yesterday on the previous podcast, that when we go to 1956, um, the, the the lead Dugpa descends from the sky. And then I think we see a couple other of them. They just materialize. And it made me think of um, a line that was in the Fire Walk, was, uh, Fire Walk With Me script where the little man, the man from another place, says, we descend from pure air. And uh, then there's some other dialogue, which is very interesting, which leads up to Philip Jeffrey saying, we live inside a dream. And that's what I always took with the convenience store is that Jeffrey's said that he was, you know, he had seen one of those meetings, but I don't think he was physically there. I think somehow he was able to maybe like with, with Cooper having some kind of sight or whatever, was able to channel or witness one of their meetings via a dream. And I think the whole line, we live inside a dream is very relevant. And we haven't really gotten too much of it into this iteration, but I think it might be something that might unfold. Because when we saw that original convenience store in, in part eight, this last episode, um, at first you're just seeing the exterior of the convenience store and then all this smoke and these wild lights and then all of a sudden the Dugpas show up and they're just moving around like ants and then they're inside. Preparing for Bob. Preparing the for Bob, of Bob. Or, or invoking Bob somehow, right? Um, and But he kept cutting back and forth to like them appearing there and them not appearing there and just having the exterior um, so I took that when I was watching it is that we were looking at like, you know, or we were inside a dream when we were seeing the Doug Puzz and outside of the dream, it was just this regular looking convenience store with two gas pumps on the outside. So I think that's well, it was like I a rift it. in the space time continuum. Like you could, that's what was going on at a certain, just what turn the dial on the, on the, you know, the universe meter Y one and you get to the next plane of reality and that's what's going on there, but it's right on ours. It's right there. They can actually affect us sometimes, come in and out. But it's like it's like living on, you know, when you live in a neighborhood and you're like right, like right by, you know, Dallas and Fort Worth or Oakland and you know, same when you live right on the county line. Like yeah. that's where they are. They're right on the line. 
Like they could just step over in and out, it seems like. But they're like on some plane of reality that's you know concurrent with ours, but not quite ours. Yeah, and I think that the atomic explosion somehow... Like shadow reality. Like shattered some kind of reality, which allowed them to descend from pure air, um, which is kind of ironic because the, the fallout material, it would be impure. Um, but... I think that's what we're, you know, go. I think that's where Lynch's and Froster are going with with the formation or creation of these Dugpas is that they've always been there, um, and they're, they've just taken this this form. This is this is a Lynch directorial style of putting them in red hats and. Would you think maybe since the faces. little man wears uh, red, that he might just be like a fancy boy Dugpa, all dressed up? For- <laughs> Not in town. A fancy boy. Like the Saturday night, like Saturday night fever, like John Travolta version of the Dugpas who wants to well, break out like to the mold. His he parents are like, moves. "Why don't you come on around with us?" I got it. Yeah, got to dance. And so he goes out dancing, and that's his it's his way to do it. Maybe he's a Dugpa. There's people. always music in the air. Um, there's also a line in Firewalk with Me uh, and the missing pieces where the electrician, who is I'm assuming a Dugpa, um, says animal life. And, you know, we saw in Firewalk With Me the monkey behind the mask. We've obviously seen owls. We thought owls were some form of, you know, harbinger of evil or maybe a transport for the spirits. And now we get this weird hybrid insect insect that, you know, actually crawled into that, you know, that little girl's mouth. So I think animal life, I think that is obviously a very vague term. But there's been several instances in, in you know, the series, the movie, and, 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 and the new iteration where we're getting some very kind of bizarre animals associated with the, you know, the I'm saying the lodge denizens, but the Dugpas in, in general. Any thoughts well, on that? Yeah, and you tie onto that little, you know, his little limerick he was telling everybody about the horses or the of white course. of the eyes. Yeah. You know, and that's the first thing I was noticed about City was his white eyes staring, you know. And you see these other Dugpas, they have... Um, you know, white eyes as well. And so maybe that's like, and then at the very end of this episode, we hear in the distance as uh, the woodsman walks off after crushing heads, uh, <laughs> the sound of horses, you know, like the wild horses out there, wild horses from hell. Maybe we're going to see What do you that. think that might mean? Do you think it's tied into Troy somehow? Because that's the only horse we, that's Laura's yeah, horse. No, um, I, wouldn't that, tie, I wouldn't think it has, it's not Troy, but maybe there is some horse element where the woodsman, you know, or somehow related to horses. You like, like Bob likes to go through owls. Perhaps the woodsmen like to go through horses. Well, we saw the horse in the Black Lodge when the curtains um, uh, kind of disappeared, and we went, you know, in, through the extension of the room, and we saw the white horse, which I think means, you know, in in, in certain literature, a, a death, like a pale horse means death. But um, I find it very curious that he used those horse sounds that the very end and did you think that the the lead dugpa did he dissolve um like kind of like descend or just disappear or did he just kind of disappear into darkness do you know if he um like i thought he just walked into the corn like uh you know just disappeared like malachi like kevin coster's dad that too but uh, yeah and then and then that scene with the little girl at the end did it look like uh, she obviously had the bug in her at that point, and while the credits are rolling, did it look? Did you like scrutinize her face? Did it look like she was, you know, like uncomfortable or like maybe like you know, kind of making facial gestures? No, she was um, very placid, and, some, and then she just swallowed. Thought, okay. Yeah, she just swallowed. She like swallowed. Was 
She did. She smiled like it was very normal. And so I thought she was under the I spell. I won't even go there. <clears throat> yeah, I thought, she was under, I thought yeah. she was under the spell. And uh, so that this was a part of the woodsman's uh, process was that they were going to use the spell. Like there's a reason why he put those people under. He didn't just do it to make people sleep for a couple hours. There was something, a purpose for it. And I think that was it. Well, have you seen that film, The Village of the Damned? A long time ago. Why don't you refresh us? It's uh, the opening of that film is uh, I think it's a town in, in England and um, we see a variety of, of characters within the town. They just they start passing out and uh, the army gets called in eventually. And what they determine is there's specific points like on the outside of town, um, like or there's there's a point in town where if you enter it, you will immediately pass out. So they're able to like with the use of like parakeets. Uh, determine the exact spot where whatever some kind of noxious gas or something they didn't explain it um, in the beginning of the film obviously um, was infecting this town would cause everyone to pass out and what happens subsequently is that um, after everything returns to normal that um, a series of women within the town are all pregnant and um, you find out after their, um, their pregnancy, and I, I, memory serves, it's not like a nine-month term. I think that um, their pregnancy, the term was much, much less than, than the nine months for you know, normal humans. But each child birth um, for, on that day um, looks exactly the same. And they have like blonde hair and, or, and, 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 and pale skin and these eyes that, that glow, not at all times or whatever. So the, the, the kind of... Uh, Kind of insinuation was it was some kind of alien presence that actually infected. Um, well, it goes back to what we was talking about. I think last or two podcasts back was that maybe Bob was uh, like through Diane with the Audrey implications, maybe going around like you know spreading his demon seed. <laughs> was it Bob or you thought Mister C had gotten some action with Audrey and Diane? Yeah, Bob right? through Mister C was that's yeah. what was a part of right. the plot here. You know, right. and uh, I'm just saying it plays for me. It plays into more kind of this like 1950s drive-in. I don't think. Lynch was like, okay, hey, I want to do like a, a little 15, 20 minute like you know, set in you know, a scene set in the 1950s and kind of like explore my kind of like, you know, horror um, kind of like, you know, ideas. I want to do just kind of like a mini horror movie. I don't think that was the case. I think it's relevant to the plot of, um, you know, what we're... Well, know, it is. I mean, that's, this, is the, this is one of the things you and I were begging uh, to see after we read Mark Frost's book because this was so compelling and... Uh, you know, I think some people were like, well, we don't want to know the origin story. We'd rather not know. You know, once you explain it, it's less impactful. But I, I think just the opposite. I love well, it. No, I think, yeah, I don't think it's an origin story, but I think I have, even though. <laughs> <Now> we keep... <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's a story from the past when things were just starting. It may not be the origin story, but they, some things were originating. I think the, this is the first time the, the mother gave birth, right? And probably shot something into some, puked uh, some devil seeds into our universe or our planet. <laughs> So that's an origin story in itself. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, I I understand that, but I just still don't think that Bob originated from. Well, the I I don't really either. It's just it's very curious that like the whole to- the latency. Like if you're sent to send out the golden Laura Palmer orb in nineteen whatever and have it like she wasn't born till like nineteen I don't know what like but it's seventy two. It's, it's not tying in. Yeah, so I wonder what the and then the latency period with the nine years. I guess that was just for the eggs. To, to hatch or do you just think it was just a plot device to get him into the 50s for Lynch to revel in his 50 fe- 50s fetish I think that exactly like tick up to the 1950s <laughs> well, see if you're saying that that's what happens in this story you know say the logic behind some of these episodes or that then you know no wonder we don't understand we may as well just this whole conspiracy theory thing just throw out the window 
just tap into Lynch's uh, whims. Is he just bossing? Well, I mean, is, he bossing some... is he bossing Frost around? Is he just in there going like, you know, like some people thought this was a very Lynchian, you know? Is he? Re- I think that that's a. I don't think that. I think that like he gets like he probably says, okay, there's a couple, a couple times I want to do this, you know, and so they just build around that. I don't think he's just like hijacking the show for an episode, and pissing off Frost, and Frost goes off, you know, pouting in the corner at all, right? I totally agree. I think that they. Do you think there's a power up... struggle though at all? No, no. I think that. Um, I think Frost has even admitted that you know Lynch is you know a visual artist, a visual genius, and there are things that he can conjure up um, that supersede the page. I think he likes to have a strong narrative core, and I think they work very well together. I think that when they conceived this part of the story, that you know whether it was discussed or not, I bet Frost knew like, well, if we're gonna you know have a, an atomic explosion. And you know, ultimately go into you know another astral plane with the White Lodge, and 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 kind of you know talk about these or show these these Dugpas, you know, originating or milling about. That he he had to have known that Lynch was going to go full Eraserhead, and you know take his sweet ass time to create this. It wasn't <laughs> this is almost double Eraserhead. He's got well, double Eraserhead. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, we talked double about secret Eraserhead. The, I mean, you watch the opening of Eraserhead. I mean, that is basically going into a planet and seeing you know, some engineer slash god pull a bunch of levers and release this sperm, sperm what did i say spermatosa earlier you spermatozoa, spermatozoa earlier yeah. Sperm, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that really that infected henry spencer the lead character and then ultimately we went through this large tunnel which for me mimicked you know a uterus and you know came into this this white light and we started our story proper but i think it was like a 10 minute scene uh basically uh, a sex scene is what i how i would describe it is a lynch sex scene without sex that he was showing the formation of this abnormal creature that henry spencer and mary x created together but it was done in a lynch fashion it was done with you know abstract imagery and there weren't any concrete answers, but it's open to interpretation. And that's exactly what we got here. I mean, we got, we saw Bob, we saw the giant, we saw uh, Woodsman slash Dugpuzz. Um, and, but we don't have any concrete answers, but I think we all can intuit and kind of feel, you know, what is happening here. I think a lot of people want to uh, say an origin story, the birth of Bob, because it's, 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 it's tangible. It, it makes sense. Okay, atomic and a bomb, that is a representative of like true real evil. And if somehow evil was able to infect or infest our world at that point, someone could be like, I can buy that, even with all the abstractions. I just think that there's more to it. I think Lynch just... What if know, Lynch is like a nine-year-old kid? Or how old was he when this happened? You said he was... Oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, so yeah, we talked about he this. he had nightmares that were like this, and he's just writing down his nightmares or something. He was... That, that title card with the Trinity test in New Mexico was July... It was July 1946. Uh, no, July 1945, excuse me. Lynch was born in January 1946, so he was not born yet. But he was in his mama's belly, so he had been created... Um, he at, might have come time. from the Bob Spermazoa from space. <laughs> yeah. He might be the seed. Right. Right. He might be what so, the egg was laid in that woman's. That might be his mother. This might be well, a that's true what, story. Like, like for me, that's where I was when, when I was thinking about this today at work. It was like we know Lynch fetishizes the 1950s. Um, I think that you know the the picture of the, the atomic bomb in Cole's office. I think is more than just like foreshadowing. I think Lynch. What do we know about Lynch? I mean, there's many things, but. You know, he likes electricity and old factories. He's a Capricorn. And, 
power. He's a Capricorn. I think that there's a certain fascination. If he came into this world at the dawn of the atomic age and came of age in you know, the last really, you know, what's considered the innocent time period, the 1950s, but always kind of felt, and he's even said that, you know, his dad worked in the, uh, with, for the uh, forest department or the agriculture department and would go into the forest and he would see these ants like, you know, and like underneath the surface, like in blue velvet. So I think even at a young age, he was very conscious of this very idyllic, placid setting, beautiful, like environment, but noticing that there was something always lurking underneath some darkness. And I think that's what we're getting here. I think that he's not giving us his life story, but he came of age in this time period in the 1940s and the 1950s. And I don't think he's just fetishizing it, but I think he's kind of like, you know, utilizing some of his artistic uh, ideas and expressions and, and certain fetishes and tying it into the mythology of Twin Peaks. And ultimately, really, our, our progenitors of evil and good, Laura Palmer and Bob. I mean, we're really setting ourselves up for some grand conflict with Agent Cooper somehow caught in the middle. Do you think it's possible in retrospect now that perhaps Jerry Horn saw a Dugpa in the woods when it was really hot? <laughs> Maybe David Lynch saw Doug <laughs> himself as a child out in the woods looking at the ants. Sure. You know, I mean, come on. When we saw that. They all look the same. That's what I'm saying. What if he did have some creepy run encounter with some homeless guy in the woods just staring <laughs> at him? And so now we see through all of his tropes, like these creepy old freaks that are just like, they look like creepy old fuckers. I don't well, like the one it. thing is we haven't seen them. They scare me. Excuse me. We haven't seen them in Twin Peaks yet, but I think that we will. They're coming. Um, yeah, I think that we They'll will. They'll be at the roadhouse first, I would imagine, right? I wonder if they're going to manifest themselves at the 119 lady's house. Like, they've been having a huge party, like, while we're not on camera. That's why she's always so tired, because these duckbuts come and they're, like, conjuring evil. What I would want them is to manifest themselves as, like, the duckbuts and be introduced by the MC at the roadhouse. And I would like to see their <laughs> the band. The yeah. band, right? Yes, they should would get on like stage. That would be bands? fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> that would be, what if the Douglas win in the end and they, they're they the last band standing? And that's it. That's that, they're the that's last over. band in episode yeah, 18. Evil wins, end scene, done. done. Well, no, you yeah. cut away and, and Dougie, or Dougie Coop is just hurtling through space and that's it. You just end cut with that. I'd love that. It's like the Sopranos ending. Yeah, we don't know what happens. I want to see the Dugbas on stage in their red red caps, red wool caps, rocking out with some Lynch composition. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> uh, wait, what have we not talked about? I mean, we haven't really talked a lot about the giant. Like, is he a god or is he a wizard? Is he look? He's on the. He's like uh, Soren or something from the Lord of the Rings up there in his castle. Um, so I would, you know, I'm not sure what they are. Like, is he? Is she a goddess and he a god? What What's going on? Did you and how does Coop that... end up hanging out there? Coop's going to be there. Maybe Coop ascends to the White Lodge or to their wherever they are, and that's you know he's got a he's got a friend uh, that he can go hang out with. We crash at this house whenever things are bad. Well, the first thing when the giant ascended and that golden emanation appeared and continued to grow. Did you? Because I was trying to like really kind of scrutinize the shape of that. Did it at some point look like it was like? Like a, like a female form, like a body of some sort? No, I didn't see that. Okay, because obviously that golden orb... I didn't think I saw owl uh, head on Bob's face when it shoots out of the mother's uh, little vomit <laughs> No, you thought he was a glamour shot of Bob, right? You know, I'm a, it was shots. a nice shot, but I'm a little disappointed there haven't been as much owl imagery, but I keep seeing it in certain places. But I, We only had one real shot of an Yeah, owl just a bad CGI it. owl in Vegas cruising over. For <laughs> which I liked. I love the owl. I did, I did like that as well. Um... The Agent Cooper, 
at that location, if we want to call it the White Lodge, I'm, I'm okay with that because I think that it very well may be. Um, we had suspected that the first scene that we shot, that we saw with Agent Cooper, the giant, might very well be in the future since he seemed to know at least you know the uh, insinuation of the riddles that the giant gave him. Um, so I think that we will be... One thing with the giant, and this, you know, I don't know if this is spoiler territory, but... I don't really think it is that the actor Carol Stroykin, I think is his name, gave an interview and, and he said that um, he was only in four scenes in in the series, but he said that each scene was very, very, very important. And uh, I think we've seen two of them so far. So it would make sense that we would get two more scenes. And one of them might be an extension of the original scene. But um, we know that Major Briggs, we think he might be the only person that we know in the Twin Peaks universe who, who might have visited the White Lodge. But if there would be anyone else who would somehow visit it, I would, I would bet on Agent Cooper. And it could be a thing where, since we have Mr. C, maybe the doppelganger, maybe it's not Mr. C anymore, maybe it is just doppelganger Cooper, there might be another confrontation. There might be even another murder. Maybe Agent Cooper gets murdered somehow, or is saved, or is transported to the White Lodge. And given another message by the giant. I mean, I wouldn't put it past it, but um, I don't think it'll be a dream. I think there's going to be some kind of journey for Cooper if he's going to return to that first scene. He's not going to just have a vision of it. I think there's going to be a very um, uh, climactic or some kind of confrontation or big scene that will somehow lead to him returning there. Yeah, that was a very mysterious uh, and just a captivating uh, sequence that I really love, and I love more now that I watched it. Uh, I did read that I think that that is the exactly the Mulholland Drive uh, theater. Oh, is it? Okay, because we thought maybe Angeles, it was. Yeah, yeah. and Senorita Dido. I mean, tell me about. I mean, it's the first time we've seen you know another character you know with the giant in that setting. Obviously, we've only seen it a couple times, but. And you speculated it might be his girlfriend or his wife, which I, I really love. But what are your impressions of like her and maybe her relevancy to you know the giant and or the White Lodge? Well, I feel like she's a benevolent spirit. We've been looking for kind of white elders like these, like the log ladies and the major Briggs before he whatever happened to him happened. Uh, and the, and he's a, she seems to be one of them, and she's beautiful and captivating and very. She has a great spirit to her and. Like I said, I said, I like, I'm a writer. So I was like, man, when I write, I think I'm spinning gold, like the giant up there. And I said, if I ever have a girlfriend, they can look at me with a love and respect and admiration and, and say, what a genius that the way that uh, Senorita Dido does to the giant, I'll be a happy man. Cause they clearly seem very happy and she seems to be quite impressed with his skills and they both work in tandem to create it. I love that she blessed it. It's almost like she was a Mary figure, you know, some sort of uh, uh, like the anti mother out there vomiting out Bob. Like she was, even though she's young, you know, she seemed like she had a maternal uh, instinct to her. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't really think about it until like the second and third times I saw this episode is that she was the one, like you said, and it was a perfect phrase. She blessed that golden orb and kissed it. And she's the one that, you know, lifted it up and allowed it to go through whatever that golden instrument, saxophone slash like fallopian tube, whatever the hell that was, and ultimately... To Earth, so I don't think she's just, you know, uh, you know, an accompaniment, accompaniment of, of the giant. I think she is another like this. Maybe she's singing spirit. that song. Like we were thinking, maybe Josie is singing the song in the Great Northern. Maybe that's her song because it seems like a feminine song. 
I think what do you mean ghostly. song? Like the hum, the hum, that beautiful hum oh, yeah, going on. Oh, there, maybe okay. it's Josie's spirit coming alive, or maybe it's Senorita Dido. Although she didn't say a word, did she? She didn't sing, or she didn't. Uh, there was music going on, but she didn't make a. She didn't have a line of dialogue, did she? Do you think that we will see her again? I somehow do. Yeah. I do. Maybe it, it's with it, a giant again, but I don't. I think that uh, I would like to see more of her. If that's the room, right? That the the giant and Agent Cooper were in the first scene in the first episode like um because we when we were shown this room in this last episode we saw that that you know bell slash you know alarm and then we saw her like sitting on a couch and then the phonograph uh or the gramophone excuse me um to her left and we know that was the same gramophone or we think it was the same gramophone that you know the giant told Agent Cooper to listen to the sounds, but we didn't see the giant until the alarm started to go off, and then he just appeared. But I got the sense that on the other side of what we couldn't see was like his sitting chair, and Agent Cooper would there would have been a chair maybe across it. Like so, there's there's not another room. I think that is the same room that they were in. Actually, it's just that Lynch decided not to show that like scene, that framing, you know, the blocking or whatever that he did with that. So I think that. What I'm getting at, basically, is Senorita Dido may very well have been in that first scene. We just didn't see her because... Oh, yeah. Well, she was. I, I bet she was. She was well, hanging that's, out that's, and, I, and I like that because I, I, I like her character. Just pan, just pan back a little bit. She's right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <That's>, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she's right there. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, no, she's a part of the gang. I think she's in the crew. She's yeah. uh, part of the White Lodge. I think that would be exciting if that is the White Lodge. I've always wanted the White Lodge to be like this heavenly movie theater. On a, on a vast astral plane, uh, you yeah. know, I'm into it. Yeah, let's, let's hang out. So maybe that'll be the future, and that will be the destiny. Uh, and what about uh, and what about Laura Palmer? Maybe kind of like you know. Um, well, she's coming back. We think she's coming back. Uh, we, we were thinking about the, the. I was thinking about the strange dichotomy of thinking that okay, Bob was in Leland since childbirth, but then also Leland gave birth to the Messiah, the antidote to Bob. So that were both entities in him concurrently. Is that possible? Well, that is that another example up. of the duality, you know, of humanity or what, you know, good and evil inside of everybody? That he had the ultimate well, good and the ultimate evil? That, you know, Bob was in Leland from what we were told as a little boy, I'm assuming, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And I always thought that Bob could like come and go as he pleased, but maybe that's not the case, especially if he's somehow like attached to your organic material um, but if Bob was always in Leland and Leland obviously impregnated Sarah and had Laura then Bob was in Leland when he impregnated um, Sarah obviously but what if the, this golden orb that the giant and blessed by Senorita Dido um, was somehow like maybe tied to an immaculate conception where you know the Bob seed did not infect or you know go into Sarah to create Laura, but Sarah was somehow or Laura was you know conceived like Christ um, and immune to the Bob seed because it seems like Bob, for, for in my opinion, has known of Laura Palmer um, and that she represents like his greatest you know foe and might be the only one that could defeat him, and that's why I always thought that he wanted to possess her. And then ultimately kill her because if she was gone, then you know obviously he would be able to continue to to fight another day, to fuck another day, to fuck another woman. But um, 
but I get a whole Christ Christian kind of symbol uh, sim- symbolism with this Laura episode in the White Lodge with the creation of this soul spirit with her image and and being you know sent from the heavens so to speak to the earth and ultimately we know that she is born somehow so it opens up a whole like wide array of interesting theories and speculations do you have any thoughts on it well it ties into whether sarah palmer is some sort of you know like special i mean that 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 she has uh, the the basically she's the one that had the golden laura palmer orb transplanted into her to give birth to her you know, well, that would be the, 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 seeker, the symbology, the special, symbolism of the Christ. Yeah. 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 And uh, so that maybe Leland knew that and tried to impregnate her with a demon seed, but maybe it didn't work or maybe it did work. You know what I mean? Like, think about right. this, like the bleak, uh, you know, if you think about this in the, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of it kind of implies that uh, Bob was successful in corrupting Laura's conception because it did not work you know the plan failed and that laura had all these flaws and she was so evil you know she was she wasn't the pure vessel that she came down here to be she got corrupted by bob maybe through in you know inception because uh, bob sniffed out sarah or the leland bob sniffed out sarah as being some sort of immaculate host for the special one right it's also interesting if you think about it that that image right so we 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 um, kind of speculated that that whole scene with the giant and Senorita Dido might have been around the time of the atomic explosion because you know it's like he was alerted to it and he saw it and then that's when he created it. Well, it's in black and white too, so. And it's in black and white, <laughs> but uh, but when he creates, they didn't have color back then, Tom. They didn't. Did yeah, they did. You're right. They didn't have color, but when he creates, like basically, or at least that golden orb, which somehow like housed the the, the, the the photograph of Laura Palmer. That's already an existing like image, like of her at like 17, 18 years old. What if what we're seeing here, because is it future, is it past, isn't necessarily the the birth of Laura Palmer as we know it, but like another like, you know, version of her, or another spirit of her, because we've seen her already. Well, we've seen Shirley play like that's Maddie, interesting. It ties into your whole idea of her coming back as a different person. Yeah. And saying. I think that's what it might be is that it's like kind of like reincarnation almost is that it's the same spirit living like, you know, different lifetimes. And I believe Lynch is a proponent of reincarnation. I think he believes yeah, like in the it. llamas being reincarnated. So yeah. So it would be that. interesting that what we're seeing here is somehow tied into Laura when we saw her in episode two being sucked out of the Black Lodge. And we had speculated that like Dougie, that, you know, she returned to Earth in some way and maybe under a different you know identity, maybe someone even named Linda you know, with the Giants clues, Richard and Linda, especially now that that might make more sense because it's the giant giving him the clue. And we know the giant somehow created you know, this, this spectral golden orb of Laura Palmer. So my thinking is that it might just be since maybe she failed, maybe like Agent Cooper failed, obviously in his original a journey into the Black Lodge, which allowed himself to be corrupted and, and possessed by Bob. Maybe the same thing with Laura, like her first time that she like was corrupted by the evil, by drugs and sex and the Bob influence. Her first incarnation, and now she's going to come back and... And now, and just like with Cooper being reincarnated as Dougie, Laura, the same thing. 
it somehow like makes some kind of like weird kind of sense maybe. So in a way, like almost like uh, the giant that little golden orb is like a good Laura doppelganger. Yeah, right. No, you're exactly right. You know, or another manifestation. But it's not really Laura because Laura, if it's in the same time, because Laura's in the Black Lodge. If it's not like in the fifties or whatever, you know what I mean. I think it's a spirit. I think it's like the spirit that Laura possessed. I think she probably has been here, like you know, in many different forms, and she is the representation of of good, of lightness. We've seen that. Um, And she with when she removes her face, and she seems to even know at least maybe. You know, in an abstract way, that she is dead, but yet she lives. That maybe she is, and maybe that's the struggle. That you know, maybe that's why when we knew her as Laura Palmer, that she struggled so much to have this weight, just like Christ. I mean, Christ had this, the great heavy burden of being like of knowing that he was the Son of God, and he was you know supposed to you know lead the Jews, and 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 ultimately had to sacrifice himself and. For all of our sins, and maybe in some kind of linear fashion, that this with Laura Palmer very similar. If you believe in that sort of thing, if you believe in that sort of thing, but you know, Lynch has said very interesting that when he was um, when he was conceiving a racer head, that there was something missing, and what he did was he opened up his Bible and he came across a passage, and he said that passage tied everything together. And he said that he will never, ever, ever tell anyone what that passage is. But there is a passage in the Bible. Because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Tom. I believe it's true. He, <laughs> he, is, he has said on a couple different occasions, like like whipping out his Bible. I mean, well, I, I think don't that. Doubt you. I don't doubt you. I'm sure yeah. he does. He probably did have to go to church uh, between seeing the Douglas in uh, the woods and playing with ants. <laughs> right. Well, we're getting to our, our, the end of this episode. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I'm sure we'll still be making podcasts, uh, printing them, you know, not every day, but, you know, quite often in the next two weeks while we don't have an episode. Uh, what are your final thoughts for today? Well, um, first of all, I'd like you to mention our email address or anyone who is listening. Yeah, we have an email address now. You guys can all email us your questions, your comments, or feedback at choppingwoodinside at gmail.com. You can always also adjust it to Dr. Hawk. That might be his new gimmick. I'm, I'm trying to talk him into it. Dr. Hawk, yeah, I, you know, yeah. And the, the Hawk name is not a reference to the great Hawk in Twin Peaks. It's a reference no, to... No, yeah, it's actually a reference to Ishtar. You're Dustin Hoffman now. You're the I Hawk. was going to pull a lynch there and say, like, I'm not going to mention where it comes from. You oh. guys figure it out. But you just <laughs> ruined that. It Thank up. you. Yeah. I ruined yeah. it. And I talked about showman. I screwed up your showman. Show. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, <No. laughs> anything else before, uh, since we they got that out, we do hope you guys will send us emails and your questions, and we'll get to uh, all of you because we're just starting out. So any uh, email would be great. So, But uh, sorry to interrupt you, Tom. I'm sure you have a very salient point to make, your final thought. No, it's actually it's Dr. Hawk. So, Dr. Hawk, do you have a final thought? To my <laughs> no, no, no. I think, uh, I, I think I ended it on the reincarnation. I think it was getting a little bit out there. But I'm actually going to think more about this. This actually it just kind of – I've been thinking a little bit about it, but in abstractions. And uh, when I talk to you about all this stuff, it just kind of comes to light. So I'm going to do a lot of – a lot you know, more thinking on you know what we just saw. I mean this was an episode obviously that I think will be you know examined and scrutinized for – uh, for decades, if not longer, and uh, we have two weeks before the next episode. I don't know where it's going to go, but um, I'm excited, and uh, I think Murphy and I will be talking about whatever thoughts we're we're going to have in the next uh, couple of days or weeks leading up to the next episode. So, 
Um, yeah, that's all. Well, I have. I'll leave you with this: that I had a thought that you know, seeing the Dugpa's history that you dredged up today, which was so compelling, and seeing that it ties into Tibet and the Dalai Lama, that perhaps we might see a Dalai Lama cameo being made at some point in the Giant's Lodge or down to getting blessing the blessing Dougie Coop and maybe a little uh, kiss from the Dalai Lama on the forehead wakes him up, something like that. Maybe <laughs> he'll fly in and save the day from a bunch of Dugpas. Uh, with the superpowers, but I'm thinking maybe the Dalai Lama, you know, might have a relevant because uh, you know Coop mentioned that's what he would love to meet the Dalai Lama, so that would be a really fantastic scene. So on that maybe note, the last yeah. shot of the entire <laughs> series once he gets restored. Yeah, he's in to, Tibet. He goes to Tibet. Yeah, and he's he's meeting the Dalai Lama, so that's right. he's got a shaved head, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for uh, listening, and we'll see you next time.